0: Behold, a gateway to your own past, if you wish. In July of 1776, the Continental Congress was deadlocked during the debate over independence. The delegation from Delaware was divided. Caesar Rodney was called upon to break the tie. Rodney rode 80 miles through the night from Dover to Philadelphia to cast his vote. This is strange. It's alien. And it won't give us what we would like to have. Welcome to Bill Mick Live on this Tuesday, the 11th of July, 2023. It's hour number three. It's being brought to you by the McPherson Financial Group. Our headline at BillMc.com, Attacking Normal Isn't Normal. And you will find there on the show page today links to... The Dave Bowman Show dot com and Dave does history, his bibliography of the information he brings us each week. And uh, Dave Bowman joins us from Silver Silverdale, Washington, with our weekly trip through the Wayback Machine to take a look at the history of this country and how it relates to things today. Most generally, Dave Bowman, how are you, sir? I'm I'm good, Bill. I'm getting better. So, OK, better, is better is always always, always these Tuesdays. We're talking today about how these states. Were created, I mean we had the thirteen original colonies, and that's one thing, but then the idea that is this country going to expand or not, and it wasn't an idea that uh it was almost like being in Florida. Do you have growth or do you not have growth and the anti growth crowd is is pretty loud here
1: well it's actually you know it's it becomes an issue at the convention this week in seventeen eighty seven is what about these new states? That we assume we're going to have, and it's not an easy, as easy a decision as as people make it out to be. You know, you said there that we had thirteen colonies. W- why do you believe that? Because what I was told my whole life. So if I asked you on June first, seventeen seventy five, how many colonies were there
0: in the continental United States? Yeah,
1: yeah. I would assume thirteen. Twelve. Really? One of these colonies is a is a real bizarre thing, and, and it leads to my question, why is Delaware a state?
0: I have an answer for that.
1: And I'm waiting to hear it.
0: To give Joe Biden a lifelong job. <laughs> okay. I mean it like
1: that. It's not really why it's a state, but... Not the answer you're looking for, huh? No, it wasn't established really. for that
0: purpose? No. Come on.
1: Delaware is a weird place. I mean, in a lot of ways, if you've ever been there. But it, Been through it once. Yeah. It, uh, it was actually owned by a guy who was a Marylander who decided that when he got into debt, he should sell it back to Maryland. And then Maryland turned around. They didn't want it. And Pennsylvania did. Okay. Because it, because it would give them access to the Chesapeake Bay as well as the Atlantic Ocean. Mm-hmm. So they leased it, but even in that, they didn't really want the people that were there. They just wanted the land, but they couldn't exactly say to the people, "Well, you have to leave," because that would have been, you know, bad. Um, yeah, that could have presented just a little problem. So, in a in an act of foreshadowing that is going to come into play today in a lot of ways, they really didn't like the the people of the six lower counties, what would become Delaware. And so they told them that, look, we, uh, we own the land, but we're going to allow you to have a separate legislative body, your own legislature. You don't get your own governor. Your governor will be the governor of Pennsylvania, which is not all that unusual. New York and New Jersey shared a governor. Uh, some of these states, you know, it was not unusual for them to do that.
0: That was Chris Christie, right?
1: Yeah, he was like big that. enough to handle both, right? And deal with traffic issues for both. Wow, that's uh, that's a gravitationally challenged joke, isn't it? Yes, it is, absolutely. <laughs> they also allowed the Delawareans, the lower six counties, to have their own laws and to handle things their own way, but not be separate from Pennsylvania. They were the six lower counties of Pennsylvania. What oh. was it about the people they didn't like, Dave? Oh, they weren't good enough. They weren't you weren't Quakers? Well, they weren't Quakers for the most part, but they also weren't as sophisticated as Philadelphians would be. They weren't okay. as, you know, up, up to standards, as it were. And this is a lot of foreshadowing here. I want you to know. Okay. But on June 15th, 1776, basically three weeks before the United States declares independence, the state of Delaware said, you know what, we're tired of this. And on June 15th, 1776, Delaware declared its independence from Pennsylvania and said, we are now a state. And Pennsylvania said, you know what, fine, we don't like you anyway. And let them go. It said, you're on your own. Okay, g- great. Now we don't have to pay for you anymore. Did Pennsylvania try to say we're keeping the river? Well, they had Philadelphia, so... <laughs> I mean, it was right there. Yeah. Now, the cool thing about this is three weeks later, the colonies, the Continental Congress, is deadlocked over the issue of independence. And it's Caesar Rodney, who is now a Delawarean, who makes his famous ride, his 80-mile ride, to Philadelphia to cast the deciding vote for independence for the country. So Delaware, which has really only been a state now for three weeks, is actually the state that makes the decision – that the United States is going to declare independence from Britain
0: three weeks
1: weeks after Delaware becomes a state. So why is Delaware a state? Well, frankly, because nobody else wanted them because they wanted to be and they figured we might as well be our own state. And so on June 15th, 1776, they became their own state. But that's a lot of foreshadowing about what's going to happen over the rest of the, the history of the country.
0: And we continue in 60 seconds. Dave does history on Bill live on WMMB. Dave Bowman with us as Dave does history on Bill McLive on these Tuesdays. So Delaware, a three-week-old state, makes the deciding vote. Yeah, we're going to do this.
1: In, in in one of the most dramatic ways possible, Caesar Rodney's midnight ride from Wilmington back to Philadelphia. It's an, it's an amazing story, um, but we don't have time for that today. By 1787, by July of 18, of 1787, there are actually three other areas that want to be states. Uh, Vermont has wanted to be a state basically since the American Revolution. But the problem is both New York and New Hampshire. You know where your your legislator is from?
0: Is, yeah, from the last oh, hour, hour. Yeah,
1: they they both claim Vermont. And the truth of the matter is that we don't talk about this in American history. They're willing to shoot at each other over Vermont, which is bizarre to me. Um, Maine wants to be oh, it's a, state. a beautiful
0: area, but right. yeah, shooting over to be another thing.
1: Maine wants to be a state. Maine is actually not a state. It's actually part of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of interesting in an in a entomological kind of way. Uh, do you know why Maine people are called downeasters, even though they're in the no. northeastern corner of the country? No. Because since they're part of Massachusetts, when you leave Boston to go to Maine, you sail downwind to the east. And so they started calling them Downeasters, which is why Billy Joel sings about his Downeaster Alexa out in Maine. Anyway, moot point. but, But there you go. By 1787 July, Kentucky wants to be a state. Kentucky is technically part of Virginia, but it wants to be its own area, its own state. And, in fact, it's Kentucky that will almost derail Virginia's ratification of the Constitution over issues about navigable rivers. But that's, you know, downhill. We also have this area that's known as the Northwest Territories. Now, this is an area that we got from Britain as part of the 1783 Treaty of Paris. It is roughly what we would call Wisconsin, um, Michigan, Illinois, Idaho, uh, not Idaho, Illinois, Indiana. The
0: upper Midwest kind of. Yeah,
1: yeah. In those days, it was known as the Northwest. Today, we would call it the Midwest. Mm-hmm. It is, it, it's ceded to us by Britain, but because we're not keeping our obligations of the Treaty of Paris, Britain is still occupying forts in the Northwest territories, and they will continue to do so until the Jay Treaty in the 1790s. The other problem that you have with the Northwest Territories is that it's also claimed by multiple states. Virginia claims most of it. New York claims a lot of it. Massachusetts claims some of it. But as part of the whole ratification of the Articles of Confederation, the states give up, especially Virginia, they give up their claim to the Northwest Territories. And the reason they give up their claims is because Maryland, yes, Maryland, demands that they do so. Why would Maryland care? Well, in 1787, Maryland is kind of the Delaware of today. It's where all the land speculation banks are. You know, Delaware today, companies uh, incorporate in Delaware because it's cheap, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, but in in 1787, it's Maryland. They have all the money for land speculation. And in order to... Gain clear title on some of these lands and stuff like that. They demand that Virginia, New York, all these other states give up their their claims to the Northwest Territories. And the other the states go, well, okay, I guess we might as well do that. And so they do, and they give up all this claim. The United States what's is looking at Maryland's interest in this. What's that? What's Maryland's interest in this? Money. They are the investors for all the land speculators who are uh-huh. going to sell the land and then the United States is going to get the money and pay off all the national debt. Ta-da! Simple, easy, and straightforward. But, mm. like most things, it doesn't work out that way.
0: Not so much so,
1: huh? No, not by a long shot.
0: We'll dig into it more as Dave Bowman joins us through the hour with Dave Does History on Bill live Don't forget, you turn on that mobile device to listen to the iHeartRadio app, you're going to get a pop up that gives you a chance to win $5,000 just for listening there. So whether you're listening on a podcast, whether you're listening to uh, us or something else on the app, opportunity to win five grand every time you turn it on on that mobile device. Good luck. Go win some money, will you? We're back in moments on WMMB. with Dave Does History on Bill Mick live The McPherson Financial Group bringing you the hour as we take a look at how additional states were going to be slated to become part of the union. Uh, didn't realize Maryland had such great influence over this, but then again, when you got the money, you got the voice. Dave Bowman is with us from Silverdale, Washington. So how did all this come together at the convention, Dave? What was going let's, on there?
1: Let's go to the convention, shall we? We'll, yes. We'll, we'll fly in through the windows that are closed and see what's going on. They it's, closed the windows as hot as it was? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they wanted secrecy. Which is part of the problem that we're going to run into right now, because these windows are closed and it's very hot. Mm-hmm. And and we've kind of shelved the discussion about equal representation in the Senate for for the time being. And we've moved on to other subjects. And one of the guys that's going to speak is a guy by the name of Luther Martin, who, oddly enough, is from Maryland. He's, in fact, the Attorney General of Maryland. And he is what I have named the most annoying man at the convention. Everybody hates Luther Martin. Even if they don't hate him, hate him, they hate having to listen to him because he is long-winded. We talked about Hamilton's, you know, all day speech a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Luther Martin is the kind of guy that can just drone on and on in this June, July heat. And there's, it's worse than that, Bill. In an era when people didn't take showers, you right. know, there's a reason they wore powdered wigs and, you know, stuff like that. Luther Martin is noted in this era for his... Poor personal hygiene. He smells bad, and they're in this clothes room.
0: Somebody noted it, right? So, I mean,
1: it's noted somewhere. It's we noted all over the place. It's really? noted. He's a slob. He dresses very poorly. He drinks to great excess. In an era when everybody drank heavily, Luther mm-hmm. Martin makes them look like, like you know, amateurs. He okay. is constantly drunk, and of course, you add that into his poor hygiene, and his speeches are just long. He is also noted as a very, very vehement abolitionist. He opposes slavery, and he's going to continue throughout the rest of the convention. In fact, there's going to come a point in a couple of weeks here where slavery almost derails the whole thing. And it's Luther Martin that's at the heart of it, Luther Martin along with Alexander Hamilton. But for right now, what we're talking about today is the possibility, the probability of new states being added to this union. Because there's an assumption, remember you got Vermont, Kentucky, and Maine that already want to be states. Mm-hmm. But there's no mechanism for doing that under the Articles of Confederation. Remember, Delaware, even though
0: Delaware had done it well, just
1: weeks earlier. No, no, this is this is you know eight years later. That was oh, in okay. 1776, and Delaware wasn't under the Articles of Confederation. Plus, they just declared it. You know, it's my favorite meme about the Fourth of July. You can't just be independent just because you said it. Well, I didn't say it. I declared it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Merle, uh, Delaware declared it, and. The difference was nobody cared. Nobody was claiming Delaware going, well, we want that. That's not the issue in in Maine. It's not the issue in Vermont, where New Hampshire and New York are willing to shoot at each other over it. Nor is it the issue in Kentucky, which Virginia owns, but, you know, I mean, they're willing to talk about it, but they're not willing to just let it go. So you have this issue about how do you make states out of places that belong to other people and other states. Luther Martin gives a speech, and again, it is just a droning speech. It goes on and on for hours, and he stinks, and he smells like alcohol, and it's just hot, Bill. It's so hot. Mm -hmm. And he, Luther Martin, hates the idea of new states. He hates it, especially in that Northwest Territory area that we have. We don't want to make states there. And why don't we want to make states, you might be asking yourselves? Well, yes, there's some reasons
0: why. And we'll dig them up in a moment on Bill McLive. our hour being brought to you by the McPherson Financial Group. So, Dave, arguments for and against creating new states in these northwest territories, which we would call the Midwest today, the upper Midwest maybe. What's going on?
1: So it's important to remember that while Luther Martin is boring and annoying, He's not the only one who feels this way. Much of the convention delegates feel this way, including Madison and, if he were there, Hamilton. The arguments against the new states are very very spelled out. There's a belief that these new states would be rebellious, that they would, that they would try to break up the Union. They're full of ideas that are contrary to what they call Atlantic sensibilities, our ideas of government and how we run things. They may not like those things, and they may try to change them, and we don't want that we don't want them changing things. Remember Delaware. You can have your own legislature because we don't want you voting in ours. Mhm, they dress funny, they wear skins and fur hats, and not well, like cold fur, up there well, not fur hats like Ben Franklin wore i mean it 's like they wear animals on their heads they're not cultured they're they don't they lack that je ne sais quoi of philadelphia or new york or even richmond they are just not you know they're just not us and if we let them become states well eventually bill they might get bigger than we are and they might take over things and then what happens oh and there's one other big elephant in the room that we should that should be obvious but Mm -hmm. what about slavery Do we allow them to have slaves? And if we do allow them to have slaves with proportional representation with three fifths, you know, compromise, then what happens? Wouldn't there
0: already be an understanding of whether they had slaves or not at that time? You'd
1: think, but there really wasn't. Hmm. What happens if we do this and these states become I don't know, what happens if in four score and seven years they start electing people as president from out there? And they might be you know not as sophisticated or 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 fancy as we are they might so be the upper
0: northwest were the hicks of the uh, of the colonial community
1: oh and they weren't just hicks bill they were potential rebels what if they what if they start collaborating with spain over the mississippi river and in fact that actually starts to happen when it starts to look like these territories won't become states there are people out there, including a guy by the name of Andrew Jackson, who contact Spain and say, hmm, why don't we work together? And, of course, this is considered rebellion and treason. Mm-hmm. There are all kinds of reasons why they don't want these states. So they were
0: kind of foretelling the 1860s, huh?
1: In a lot of ways. And the convention yeah. just becomes more about this. What do we do? We don't know what to do. So what do we do? And you'd be surprised who actually ends up solving the problem for them with the slice of the Gordian knot.
0: And we will determine that when we come back for segment three on this uh, Tuesday, where Dave does history on Bill Mick Live. We'll also let you in with your thoughts, comments, and questions at three two one seven six eight twelve forty. Don't forget. Everything we do all day, you can pick it up in the podcast section at billmick.com and on the Bill Mick Live iHeartRadio channel. Back in moments as we conclude Dave Does History. Like you've never heard it. It's Dave does history on Bill Mick Live. The McPherson Financial Group are our, our sponsor. Three two one seven six eight twelve forty. If you want in on the history discussion with Dave Bowman as we uh, bring this, how states were going to become a part of these United States discussion. So uh, they're in Philadelphia and they're, uh, I guess,
1: coming to a decision, Dave. Well, they can't come to a decision. They, the arguments are intense. They are long-winded. And just like the arguments over Senate representation, there doesn't seem to be any way forward. But unlike the argument over Senate representation, which has actually already been solved, they just don't know it yet. Okay. There are outside forces that are going to affect what happens at the convention. And this is the first of two really good examples, and we'll get into the second one a little bit later. But meanwhile, in New York, Congress is still meeting the Continental Congress, Mm -hmm. which is generally considered to be the most useless Congress of all time. Generally considered. It's ineffective. It can't pay anything. That's why we're having the convention is because Congress doesn't work, right? Yeah. But something weird has happened here about a third to almost half of the delegates to Congress are in Philadelphia at the convention, which means that the people in New York at the Congress now have a different quorum level, and the people who are left behind... They adjusted
0: the quorum when they sent these people to Philadelphia and said, we got to operate, so we're going to make the quorum this number.
1: Yeah, we still do the same thing. The, The quorum level changes depending on how many people are present. Okay. So... The people who are left, though, they have a great idea for what they want to do about these Northwest Territories. Now, they've had laws proposed before. Thomas Jefferson in 1784 actually proposed uh, some some legislation to divide up the, the territories into a bunch of weirdly named states. Mm-hmm. But because he put into his law that slavery would be outlawed there, most of the Congress at that time kind of went, eh, let's not... Uh, Let's not deal with that right now. But as time goes by and the national debt keeps building, they start realizing that, boy, if we could sell this land to American people, we could pay off the national debt. And so while the convention is diddling on this and listening to Luther Martin drone on for hours and hours and hours, the Congress, which has now changed in its character, it's a little more united in its ideas, and it doesn't have the people that are going to argue about things, particularly the Southerners, Rutledge and those folks are gone. So Congress takes up the Northwest Territories Act and decides that, yeah, we're going to do this. And they pass what is known as the Northwest Territories Act, which says that, quote, states will be admitted to the Union on an equal footing, unquote. No more arguing about whether or not they're, they're lesser states or whatever. They When a state comes into the union, Vermont, whoever, it's equal to the other 13,
0: period. There's no statehood apprenticeship, huh? Nope.
1: Everybody's equal. You come into this, and this is what the Constitution will end up saying, by the way. They do something else, two other things in the Northwest Territory Act, which confound the, the Constitutional Convention, but at the same time, it kind of presents them with a de facto, here you go. They give the Northwest Territories, but only the Northwest Territories, a Bill of Rights that guarantees freedom of religion, freedom of the press, freedom of speech, freedom, uh, all the freedoms that we have in the Bill of Rights are guaranteed to the Northwest Territories, but not to the other 13 states. So the other wow. 13 states do not have the Bill of Rights, but the Northwest Territories does. This is done as an incentive. Hey, if you don't live in, I don't know, Virginia, but you do live in the Northwest Territories, you have rights that you don't have in Virginia, thinking that, hey, this will incentivize people to move there, buy the land, give us the money, which then we can pay back Maryland which will then pay off the national debt. See how this works? The
0: old adage of follow the money is is at the heart of it all.
1: But the number one thing that they do, and probably the most important thing that they do, is they actually, because again, remember, all the Southerners, the fire eaters, are at the convention in Philadelphia. And so they actually managed to pass, as part of the Northwest Territories Act, a ban on slavery in the Northwest Territories. So they make it illegal to import, own, transfer slaves into these new states, which means that these new states now are going to be, if, if they come in, are going to be free states, which is going to restore the balance of power back to, for lack of a better term, the north, as opposed to the southern states, which are counting on their slave populations to give them more political power, which, of course, is part of the big argument. They pass this, they announce it, and the convention says, Oh, well, then I guess that's what we're going to do because it's already, how do you like this phrase? The law of the land.
0: And we're back in 30 seconds on Bill McLeod. So slavery eliminated in the Northwest territories, Dave, by, um, by Congress not really trickery i don't think you can call it that but by taking advantage of the political circumstances as they existed
1: this happens throughout our history i mean this is how kansas becomes a free state in 1861 when all the southern democrats resigned from congress congress passes the law to you know with all with a republican majority to to admit kansas as a free state so it, it's not the fir- this is the first time that it will happen but it won't be the last time that this kind of thing happens and it's You know, is is it political maneuvering? Absolutely. But is it effective? Well, the convention looks at it and says, well, I guess that's how we do it. So they basically write into the Constitution everything that the the Northwest Territories Act has except the Bill of Rights. They do not, by the Constitution, guarantee those rights. So that will require anti-federalist action uh, in the ratification process to to secure those rights as well, it's a it's a great example of you know an external force influencing the Constitution. There will actually be another. There actually already is an action, another external force that will change how the Constitutional Convention writes things down. Uh, we'll talk about this more. Uh, you know, we've talked about Shay's Rebellion in the past, but Shay's Rebellion uh, and the the uh, the fallout from that. Will actually have a major impact in, in Article One of the of the Constitutional Convention about what states can and can't do, and but that's downstream, uh, more towards uh, late August and September, as we get towards the end of the convention in this whole thing. So let me
0: ask you, uh,
1: how does what
0: happened in this instance with the Northwest Western Territories and deciding how to bring these states in, how it impact? Efforts down the road, uh, you know, West Virginia out of the Civil War, kind of a different story than anybody else. Mm-hmm. But what about Puerto Rico or other U.S. territories now that may want statehood at some point? Puerto Rico's voted how many times and just can't get it there.
1: Well, it's an interesting. Again, in our in my lifetime, we've not added any new states. The last new states no, were added Alaska in 1960. The last one. Right. And it's my age. Right. 1960, Hawaii. Um, The the interesting thing to me about particularly Washington D.C. and Puerto Rico, and I think everybody sees this. I think both sides recognize the fact that the admission of them as states is not seen as beneficial to the union as other states' admission was. You know, you you were trying to get people to move to the Northwest Territories. You were trying to get people to move the Louisiana Purchase and the to the Oregon territories and the Dakotas and that sort of thing to grow the country to. To get better, I, I think everybody sees the Puerto Rico and washington d c statehood as political. This is about political power, adding you know four more senators to one party. And I think even the side that that wants to do that recognizes that if they do that, well, what's to stop it from happening somewhere else? Mm-hmm. The mythical, what I refer to as the mythical. What about the
0: battles you're having in your area of the country right. with Eastern Washington and Idaho and
1: Northern California? and the right, left. the mythical state of Jefferson. Yes, which is which is never going to happen. But people tell me all the time. But David says in the Constitution we can. Yes, but it doesn't say you have to. Nor does it say mm-hmm. that these. And see, this is the problem that you have is that Delaware declared its independence and nobody cared. If Northern California was to say to Southern California, hey, we're our own state, the state of California is going to say, no, we don't agree. And the Constitution makes it clear that in order to remove a state from another state, the original state has to agree, which is why West Virginia is so weird, because the state of Virginia technically never agreed. But the way they got around that was to say, well, here's the legitimate Virginia government. Virginia seceded from the union. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Here's, there's a legitimate government, you know, a Republican government of Virginia, and we recognize that government and they agree. So off we went uh, in that direction. But, you know, then you got the whole thing with Texas, you know, becoming as a republic, becoming part of this, the country. But, you know, it, it's just it's it's fascinating to me. The the convention couldn't get it done. and I mean, they were just literally at a dead stop. And Congress, the most ineffective Congress in our history, the Second Continental Congress, basically says, nope, here's what we're doing. And they actually managed to pass a law that that solves the whole problem, like, like cutting through the Gordian Knot with one big slice. And the convention is left to go, oh, well, I guess we're doing it that way then. Problem solved. Time to go back to arguing about, Proportional representation in the Senate, which, by the way, we've actually already decided we just don't know it yet.
0: Interesting. So do you see anything? I I guess I hear more about the the Washington, Idaho stuff than I hear about the California stuff anymore. And those people seem to make a little bit of noise every now and then. What are you hearing out there? Well, we hear it all the time.
1: This is the same.
0: Will Washington care if those if those counties leave? Yes. That's where all the water is.
1: That's where the Columbia River is. That's where all the water for the state. Same thing in California. They're not going to give up Northern California. That's where all the water is. Mm -hmm. Why would they give that up? Not willingly. They're not going to. Mm -hmm. Could you force it? But, you know, then you're into whole federal regulation and you're right back where you started again. And then what's to stop the Californianization of the mythical state of Jefferson? You know, you guys' complaint down there is that too many Californians are moving down there and turning it into California light. Well, what's going to happen in these other states? They're going to go where the money is, they're going to go where the the resources are, and they're going to continue to vote the same way. That's why it's not going to work.
0: Yeah, that's going to happen. As we look ahead, where are we going, Dave?
1: Well, we're going to solve this senatorial proportional representation once and for all, and it's Ben Franklin that's going to do it.
0: Very, very well, yeah, and As As much of a scoundrel as he may have been, he did seem to have the biggest brain in the place, didn't he? I
1: don't think he has the biggest brain, but he has the best speeches. Well,
0: that'll do it. Dave Bowman, always a pleasure. Thanks, my friend. That was a fun hour, and uh, we'll do it again next Tuesday.
1: We'll see you then.